Episode 45 is here, and we are talking to the Vixen. The Vixen. The Vixen. The one and only. I Iconic. I, I just... Chicago drag royalty. Uh, 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 gagged. <laughs> I'm Maddie Germs. I'm Shawnee. And we're two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. We may be therapists, but we are not your therapist. I know Let's that's right. Let's go. <laughs> Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> Sup, slut. Sup, slut. Um, on this, the week of our quarantine anniversary, we have it's been here. officially in COVID for one year, as the internet will not let me forget this yeah. week. <laughs> Sorry to do it to you. I just figured it'd be, you know, helpful because we started this like kind of a month into it. So yeah. we'll do our one year anniversary reflections eventually but eventually when we hit the one year for yeah. sure but for now on the one okay. year anniversary of covid what were you doing a year ago to be honest i wasn't on like my best behavior okay. but um the state had not shut down yet so um there was the announcement of covid and it was like social distance be careful um but the state wasn't shut down yet and my partner and i had the scheduled this like redwoods trip and so and we weren't like going to a city. So I was like, if we're bringing groceries and going into the woods, maybe this wasn't a big deal. It actually was kind of nice. We saw way less people on the trip than we did in our home living in downtown Portland. Like we, I saw less people that week. But as we got back, everything shut down. So it was like kind oh, of good timing. Yeah. And also, yes, I'm admitting a little irresponsible. But I got to see the Redwoods for the first time as the world was shutting down. It's like my last outside memory before I didn't see anyone for three months. <laughs> That's true. And then also before those Redwood fires, right? Uh, yes, and our fires, yeah. And our fires. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I was I was happy that there was a moment to relish in that. It was also when Tiger King came out. And so we would like hike in the morning and then like watch Tiger King at night. That sounds, honestly, yeah. I want to go back to that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Part of that I don't want to. What about you? Yeah. What were you doing? Girl, I don't know. Probably being depressed on my couch somewhere. That is not an answer. You asked this question. So? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, what was I actually doing? Truly, I think this was when they had announced we um, could, like, work from home. Ah. For, like, a week or two. And I was probably just like, oh... Yeah, I think I was just, like, really happy because I didn't have to go to an office. Sure. Anything, I think I was just, like, really drunk and high. Like for like a week because I was just like yeah I'm at home I get to do what I want and that job was miserable and that job was miserable but then like within a month I was like okay wait (laughs) yeah I'm just like at home all the time this is the whole thing this is it that doesn't change yeah so yeah I think that I was just like celebratory in a way yeah that we got to all work from home totally now there was like like, a total air of mystery it was like is it important for me to take this seriously? That's what I'm being told. Right. Am I... Is this three weeks? Is this six months? Is this the year and two years that we're going to do? <laughs> Will insane. we need a vaccine? All of that stuff was just, like, completely unknown. Yeah. It's insane that so many places were like, okay, we're going to open back up in, like, a month. It's like... And here we are, a year later. And the only thing open is Texas. Oh, my God. Uh, well. Um, okay. <laughs> well... Another thing that's shitty about the United States <laughs> is... Just, uh, what is it today? <laughs> what is it today? Um, uh, not on tonight. Um, is 
There's a bunch of state laws across the country. I think in eight states, Alabama, um, Mississippi being two of them, that are pushing these anti-trans bills. So some of them, which we've talked about before, are around the who can play in sports. It's like mm-hmm. essentially adults wanting to like check children's genitalia to make sure that they're playing the right on the right sports team. Yeah. And then you have Alabama voting. It hasn't passed their house. I think it's it's either in the house or Senate as of recording. Um, where like the UK bill, trans healthcare or providing trans healthcare for ch- minors is a felony. So like offering any type of hormone blockers or in some ways the the law is confusing it could just be like types of counseling and types of integration of social and like advice and like mm. it's confusing as to where that's going to land because like what is healthcare you know what i mean yeah. um but uh at the moment if you're having to prescribe things to a child for you know, addressing transness that is a felony, which is like just fucking disgusting. And honestly, don't even get me started on it. I don't even want to go into that because I was just going to rant for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. Anyway, I just, uh, ACLU is doing its best to fight hard. I feel like if you have an extra little bit of coin, find the ACLU in the state with the laws. Like I said, Alabama, Mississippi are one. I'm linking some articles, but um, there's also this really long Mother Jones piece talking about a specific doctor, Izzy Lowell, who has been providing trans healthcare for a long time. It's a very, very good, like, long read. It's called The War on Kids is Coming for Dr. Izzy Lowell. Um, But, you know, we also got the stimulus pass, which, uh, you know, I feel like I'm sure by now everyone has heard or read or whatever about this thing. Getting your chat. Sort of. Yeah. Yes. Uh, You know, making me reconsider if I should have a child. Um, Just kidding. It's not. Um, (laughs) I would say that there are some really cool nuances within this bill. One of those things is that it has like one of the largest black farmers relief uh, bills or like additions in legislation ever. There's two really good podcasts. What a day. The one from, you know, last Friday and then the on point about the additions of the COVID bill are they're super cool. I feel like I learned a lot in those like short little nuggets of like, yes, I know that the $1,400 is in it, but it's a big bill that, yeah. um, you know, minimum wage was on that, you know, Kristen cinema didn't to, allow that to happen, but I need to check in with my uncle. He's a farmer. Did I ever tell you about my uncle who's a farmer and he had me go chase a goat because I said I wanted a goat when I was little. Nope. Did you have to kill it? No, okay. I was just like, I want a goat, Uncle. His name's Sean too, Uncle Sean, and he was just like, if you can go catch a goat, you can have a goat. <laughs> <laughs> I ran around in like just around out in a wet field with goats for maybe like an hour. I could not catch a goat. Who's were they his goats? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, yeah, he yeah. like took you to somewhere. And was like, <laughs> go steal somebody's goat. Hurry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting a goat too. I'm gonna make you do it. Oh my god. Um. What are you listening to this week? Um. Okay, so this Doja Cat Disclosure Streets remix. It's good. It's it. I yeah, like it. It's really good. Um, I like Disclosure most anything they do. This song on her album is like a sleeper for me. I feel like it always comes on. And I think when I first listened to the album, I was just like, eh. And this song I, works better as a visual. That uh, video of her in the pool of milk and she's yeah, like yeah, yeah. slowly crawling out singing that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sickening. It's and great. then her newest video where she's like a, like a black widow, a spider woman or like, mm-hmm. you know, femme fatale sort of thing. It's like beautiful, it. but yeah. this remix is it. It's it. Yeah. Oh, I've had it on repeat. Um 
What else am I listening? Oh, well, I didn't listen to this, but I do want to give a shout out to Janae Aiko. So Sailing Souls was her like first debut album and it came out 10 years ago, which is crazy to me. Um, And I guess they just re-released it. I just saw it on the new releases and thought, what? And then I went through it and was like, these are all old songs. Why are they trying to paint this like a new album? And I was like, oh, this came out 10 years ago, like on this date. So they like re-released it. So shout out to that because that is also a really good album um, that I sort of revisited this weekend. And then um, Truth or Dare, the Kalela LSD XOXO remix has been on repeat. All when did weekend. that come out? I know it says oldie, but I don't like, is it like two Maybe years old? Like two, or? yeah. Okay. Maybe two, I don't know, three, because I feel like COVID, I just have to add a year on to everything. <laughs> so three years, probably. Where the fuck is Kalela at? <laughs> I need just something hot. from her. Yeah. Jesus. What are you listening to? Um... What You Named, and then um, Pressure featuring Tuvalo by Martin Garrix. Um, mm. It's not something that I would have picked for myself, but a friend sent it to me, and then I actually liked it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like walking around, I was like, oh, I kind of like this. <laughs> I don't think I would have clicked on it, though, because I feel like especially Tuvalo, she her, is very hit or miss for me. Like, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, absolutely yes. And then other times I'm like, this sounds either like everything I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> everything I've ever heard. <laughs> everything I've ever heard. Because she's a genre hopper a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Or very like um, what like Sia used to do before she made money and bad Stop films about it. autistic kids. You know, when she would Not just like. Sia. Yeah. She would, you know, she'd like hop onto some like. I don't think anybody wants to be compared to Sia. That's fair. Um, no, I don't. I don't know Miss Tuvalo though, so like <laughs> I don't really care that much. I agree. I think every time I listen to it, is it Tuvalo? I think so. I just it's, say Tuvalo. Sure. Okay. Um, every time I listen to a Tuvalo Tuvalo album, I um. Tuvalo Tuvalo. I always yeah. I feel hit or miss. I'm like, oh, there are like three solid songs on here that I will listen yes. to, and then the rest I'm agreed. I'm just like, what is like. What are you trying to be? Yeah. Also, why she do wants, all these sound she, the same? Yeah. She, I mean, she wants to be a famous artist. And, like, I don't blame that for her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? This is a good song. Um, also, shout out to... I don't know if anyone missed this, but, like, around the time of Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. um, the Vixen was featured on their, like, digital cast and released this whole, like, visual album called Commercial Break. Um, super cool, featuring a lot of, like, Chicago folks and just some really, really... Like, fun, really talented, also truthful music. I think it, it's a very great album. If you have, like, missed it from last summer, I think go visit it. It's awesome. Um, what are you watching? What are we watching? I haven't been watching much. What's um, Kid 90? Oh, my God. So, I watched this last night. Y'all can't see that there's a typo on this list that I am finding way too funny right now. We are kooky right now. Um, Kid 90 is on Hulu, and I watched it last night because, I don't know, like, I'm an an 80s baby. I was born in the 80s, but, like, obviously grew up in the 90s. So, I don't know, it just caught my attention because I'm, like, very into anything 90s. It's just, like, I love it. So, um, what's her name? Soleil? 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 Moon? Fry? Soleil Moon. I think Soleil. Soleil. Yeah. Well, she played Plunky, Bru- Plunky Brewster, like, back oh. in the 80s. Okay. When she was, like, seven or eight. The documentary is essentially, she got a camera, like, a video camera when she was, like, 12, and literally just filmed her whole life, like, her whole teen years. 
So the documentary is her sort of coming of, coming to age after Punky Brewster and her being friends with all these people like Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Mario Lopez. Um, what's that guy's name from the other guy from Save by the Bell that plays Zach? Who's Mark Paul Gosselaar. That guy. Um, all these like really big deals in the 90s, like all teens that hung out with each other and were like, like uh, Sarah Gilbert, like all these people that just like were young. Hanging out at the max. Yeah. <laughs> hanging out at the max. No, hanging out. <laughs> Doing drugs, like okay. smoking, drinking, whatever. I thought that's six- what hanging out at the max meant. <laughs> it is. Um, but it's just cool. Like, I, I found it really interesting um, how sort of, I guess, vulnerable she is, like, in yeah. the documentary and is talking about, like, coming of age. She, I guess, grew up really fast. Like, by the time she hit 13, her body had just, like, fully developed. So she talks about just the industry, how the industry, how the entertainment industry treated her and treated her more like a woman because of that, even though she was just 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and how the roles she was getting were sort of way more like. You have boobs up. now. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's show off your boobs. And then she got a breast reduction when she was like 15 or 16. And it was oh, like a wow. big deal um, because she just felt so uncomfortable, like in her body. Um, that sucks. Yeah, and then just, I don't know, it's great. I recommend it. I went into it because I was like, I don't know what this is actually about. I sure. just, I didn't know her name. They like say, so like Soleil, Soleil Moon Fry had a camera and she followed her whole like teen years in the 90s. Like, like, I don't know who this girl? girl is, but I do like the idea of somebody having a camera absolutely at age 12 and just following their life. And then I found out that it was Punky Brewster and I was like, oh, well now I'm really into this. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be in the vein of like Alan B. Farrow, like not necessarily because of like sexual content, but just right. like incriminating of lots of adults. Yeah. I wish Drew Barrymore as like a child doing drugs in yeah. like, there's a part of me that wishes that was like visually preserved. It's like a fucked up thing to like right. experience, but there's also just like what kind of, cause we're getting these deep sanitized truths Right. later well that's but what like she what says. the fuck was it <clears throat> that's a cool thing she says in the documentary she said like when i had that camera it was in the 90s no like not many people just had a video camera right yeah. so like a lot more people you either have to be incredibly curious or incredibly vain to like record yourself in that way exactly like, and because of that a lot of people not like today where um there's this quote that uh what's his name paul mark mark paul gossamer mm-hmm. yes lur lur um <laughs> where he's like yeah, like, I see a camera flash go off now, and my brain immediately goes to, like, what was I doing in that moment? Like, is it going to be incriminating? Like, is this going to come back to haunt me later? Mm-hmm. And he said, like, but back then, like, you had that camera, like, you didn't have to be on all the time. Like, we didn't care that you were recording us doing all these, like, silly, crazy things that, like, if they ever were to show up, like, in the press, probably would have, like, lost us all our jobs. But, like, nobody was doing that back then. Right. And now everybody is. So it's just this interesting take on how they've grown up in the industry and how they've changed and how they don't want their kids to be in the industry for this exact reason. And just how they were still teens doing teen things like drinking and smoking or whatever, but then still doing these like dare commercials and like don't do drugs. (laughs) It's like a, it's a really funny scene where they're like smoking pot. And then the next scene cuts to her being like, don't do drugs. (laughs) That's very cute. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, you sold me. I'm definitely going to watch this. To be honest, I only know Punky Brewster as like a name and I think I have some mild visual, but like that was not, I didn't watch it. Yeah. Um, but uh what are you watching that's literally all i've watched this week okay there's this new film moxie by amy poehler and it's essentially like she has a daughter and is becoming a woman and speaking out against the patriarchy it's very like riot girl Mm -hmm. uh zine it's about a zine that's how it starts and then it's like oh a revolution happens um 
I feel like there's a lot where it's telling you what it's doing instead of showing you. And I think it doesn't always pay off in the best way. It's not a terrible movie, but it is like we are talking about intersectional feminism and the ways in which riot girl culture really focused on a specific angry white woman narrative, you know? Yeah. And like, so then we're going to have this film where there's like lots of other characters who are calling out the like lack of intersection, but like you could have also just like made it about not a white girl. (laughs) Like, like, you know what I mean? Like it's also this ability to like, always my answer. Just like, (laughs) why did she have to be like the central character? Because, her friend, who's, like, the new girl in school, who, like, obviously gives way less of a shit, mm-hmm. um, Alicia Pascal Pena is beautiful, does a great job. I love that name. The makeup is beautiful, and is, uh, like, you know, an Afro-Latina, and is, like, I don't know. It's just, there's, this movie is, um, it's very silly. I feel like, don't go into it, like, expecting a great movie, but I think if you have any sort of sense of like curiosity around how Amy Poehler is handling the conversation of feminism and reflecting on her specific type of it. This is how that happens. It's in that vein of book smart, but like not as good. That's a great way of putting it. I will, I will probably not watch this movie. Um, the, not because her friend is so good in it and just so beautiful. Yeah, it, like, not sucks. because I don't, not because, not because I don't support feminism, because, <laughs> because I don't support, watching white teenage girls do anything um that's (laughs) totally fine so but i mean i've i've seen a lot of press around it and i did the thing where i was just like "Mm, not for me yeah and kept going you should be suspicious of it i think that's totally valid um you mentioned alan v farrow earlier i it's like still on my watch list but like what are your takeaways from it i mean hmm the words that I was about to say was, I adore it. And then that is, um, that's a weird thing to <laughs> say feels, about that. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> what am I feeling about it? I think um, just getting these extended interviews of Mia Farrow, like the way she speaks mm-hmm. is encapsulating. Like I could listen. I mean, she just has this voice and this like smallness and this like way of like really attaching her jaw onto certain syllables it's like you watch it happen it's very i may be the only one that feels this way but i just when i watch her i'm just like i just want to watch you talk Mm. which makes it a better than podcast because like she's just her skin is just like ghost but ghost woman who just like lives in the lake house and raised (laughs) 1200 kids like that's what she did you know and like she casually talks about being married to frank sinatra and like all this stuff and then I think maybe if you had some doubts about the Woody Allen thing, maybe it would be more revealing. But, like, to me, it just really is, like, this poor girl is being taken seriously for the first time. Back when all of this stuff was coming out, there's, like, lots of evidence around the ways in which the case was fumbled Mm -hmm. and the ways in which Woody had, okay, they were recording phone calls of each other. So, like, there's recordings of the ways in which Woody would talk to her, and then there would be something in the press the next day. So he was just completely controlling this narrative the whole time. And it, like, instead of trying to make the relationship between him and Suni, his, like, stepdaughter or whatever, um, it explains that disconnect a little bit, but... Your face is what the reaction should be, which is like, ew. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that there's some people who have like, we'll forgive that because it's about love. I'm using a lot of quotes. And it like, (laughs) it talks about, I think, how he pivoted to to love around SUNY when this was coming out so that there wasn't like 
ulterior motive. Like he had to basically claim we are deeply in love so that there's this like barrier between him and incest. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what it does instead is to decide to really focus on Dylan's story and like not just Dylan's story, but like the nannies and the best friends and like all these people who are like, yeah, he was fucking creepy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, he was fucking weird. And also watch any of his films. They're all about him fucking teenagers. Like, yeah, all of them. All of them. So, um, it sucks because Dylan was a child, like a, a very small child, and it's deeply upsetting. And I think if there are attachments to stories like that in your history, I don't know if it would be the best thing for you to watch. But um, if you're interested in what the story is and hearing Mia Farrow talk slowly, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll listen to Mia Farrow take, talk slowly. Speaking of talking slowly. Okay. Nope, not a good segue. Uh, I still have not finished Judas and the Black Messiah because... Okay. Well, you have like five hours to finish it. I know. Today's the day. Um, I think that you should. I think um, it'll be available again. It's just on HBO Max right now until Sunday, March 14th. But, um, man, I feel like there's things about it that I'm already predisposed to. But, like, I'm, like, laying in my bed, like, where's a gun? I got to kill a cop. (laughs) Like, 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 you're like, fuck breakfast. I got to go kill a piggy. And, like... You know, I already believe those things oh to God. some extent in a I jokey way. Half but... of the reason why I have not finished it because I was like, "Well." Uh, so I mean, it is. I'm I feel angry. <laughs> the one of the things that I like about it is that it is a deeply sad story, and you know where it's going. It's about the informant that essentially got Fred Hampton killed. Mm-hmm. I like that it does not. It is sad, but it does not feel like a tragedy story. It feels like a. Um, it feels like an organizing story. There's beautiful speeches in it. There's like a lot of sadness around like how similar the rhetoric is and Mm -hmm. um but it's like it's another one of those things if you had any doubt for some reason that the fbi despite having admitted it killed fred hampton here's here's another example you know what this reminds me of i did watch another thing this week billy holiday versus the united states oh i want to watch that so good okay um andre day kills it um and very much so that as well we're like i mean just the fucking u.s government and like the U.S. government, <laughs> just how terrible they are, and like how many famous or um, prolific like black people they've set up. Billie Holiday, if you don't know, "Strange Fruit" was a very sort of divisive song in America when it came out, sure. and the film sort of follows follows Billie, follows Billie Holiday's um, life and journey, sort of after that song comes out and she performs it for the first time, and essentially the U.S. government is like, you cannot sing that song anymore. Yep. Like it is getting people riled up. Like it's not okay. We don't want black people like getting up in arms about things. Right. She had a drug like problem, uh-huh. and they used that drug problem to lock her up a lot. Got it. Every time she sort of like sung that song. So Got it. It's about how the government sort of tried to keep her from making an impact right. by leaning on something that they were also, I mean, not supplying her the drugs, but they also weren't like helping her. Sure. And what that is reminding me of is like what you're talking about right there. That is government censorship. Yeah. Like that is what government censorship is. Yeah. Someone being fired for calling someone the N word is not censorship. Right. <laughs> like that's not what that is. Right. And like, it's not cancel culture in big quotes is not, <laughs> The government interfering in what people can and cannot say. That's what free speech is. Yeah. It is private entities, investors, other people saying, you don't align with our brand anymore and I don't want you to work here. Yeah. But you said it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just like, and the ways government censorship has always been used, it's been used for 
threats to that government Mm -hmm. versus what is being spouted where it's like reinforcement of an ideology is where it would... Do you know what I'm saying? No, I see where you're going. The leftist movement is not being protected by cancel culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, what has always happened is government censorship has been to put down leftist voices. Specifically black voices. Specifically black voices because... You don't want an uprising. You right. don't want to protest. You don't want to riot. Um, I find it insane that she, like, literally, they dragged her off of the stage, like, mm. in the middle of the song. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff in there about her sort of very, very, very toxic relationships with men and her issues with men and them controlling her or whatever. I'm so excited to see the Tina Great. documentary. The what? The Tina documentary. It's oh my coming God, out in, like, too. two weeks. I cannot <gasps> wait. There's also a QAnon documentary coming out on HBO Max that I'm excited for. I will watch that, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I mean, this was, like... Actually, I'll talk about this first. So this morning, yesterday, Kirk Franklin has this older son who he is not in a good relationship with. Like, evidently, that's sort of known, especially because mm-hmm. I think this person works in the mu- music industry. The son does mm-hmm. and has been pretty vocal about, like, fuck my dad, sort of, you know, um, released yesterday or this morning, this video that was like, do you remember that Alec Baldwin video of him, like, cussing out his kids and calling his, like, I think so. Like, just saying, like, mean bully shit. This was like that, except it was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. So, Kirk Franklin is, like, screaming, threatening his son, like, all this stuff. And, you know, the son's like, I just need someone to know. Like, stop telling me to go back to my family. This is what they do. Like, um... Kirk Franklin Franklin is like, stomp! Yes. On your face. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very that. Um, And he released this video that's like, you know, this deep apology around like, keeps saying over and over and over private matter. And like, he's trying to do good. And also like he um, lost his temper and said some words that weren't appropriate. I will never give a damn if you say ass or fuck or shit or whatever. Why are you concerned about saying a curse word as a Christian artist and not the fact that you threatened your son? Mm. Like, and then all the discourse around it today is Christians being upset that their idol Kirk Franklin was using curse words, not that he was being abusive to his child. Because the the child probably deserved it because he was being disrespectful to Kirk Franklin. And if Kirk Franklin felt disrespected, he should have, he had every right to be angry, but he shouldn't have cursed while being angry. Whereas, like, other people are watching this video and being like, that is, not okay. that's abuse. It's yeah. not okay. Like, you can't fucking do that. And, of course, I'm sure this but is But no, only... you can absolutely do that because God says... You're mine. Yeah. I, you literally belong to me. I can do whatever God the fuck says, I want to. God says respect your fucking parents. Right. So I can cuss you out if I want to. You need to listen to what I say. Yeah. It just I don't believe in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I believe I think... in murder! <laughs> well, and it's just like, you know, honor your father and mother... I think a way to honor them sometimes is to let them know when they're being fucking assholes. Like, I'm honoring you by letting you know that, like, you're so concerned about the kingdom of God and you might not see it. Okay. Like, let's sit with that. I'm going to honor you by helping you grow and pointing out your fallacies. Yep. And it's just like those, that type of parenting, that type of parenting that is only, 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 quote, focused on your eternal life, continuously misses the mark on, like, how to be kind and present with children because... Children who live outside of that and are happy, are loved, are solely successful, it's literally threatening to their entire worldview. Mm -hmm. So, like, even if you're not coming at them with, like, energy, just you being not 
rolling around with pigs and like fucking poverty, it sends them to oblivion. And anytime you sort of demand some sort of like, you should see me, like whatever, it just, it flips into anger. It flips into control. And like, I'm almost positive maybe this son is stupid and annoying and like, you know, whatever. But like, when a parent says that, they have like, they have crossed this threshold of like their understanding of themselves and of their child. And so it's like, I just don't like an apology tour that like doesn't address anything that you did. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if the apology tour is just like, I'm sorry. This is a I private cuss. matter and I got out of hand. Like, we know. <laughs> <laughs> we all saw it. It was definitely out of hand. No, I had no idea that this happened. Just like I had no idea that this. <laughs> I'm like the only person on the planet that didn't know this Meghan Markle interview with Oprah happened. I swear. Like it got, I think I was. Well, it was only... a live TV thing. So. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, I was like on the news app, I think yesterday morning and was just like, what? Why is everybody talking about like Oprah and Meghan Markle? And apparently the article that I specifically clicked into was about Taylor Swift predicting the like the whole drama between the royal family and Harry and Meghan. And I thought, what? <laughs> I was like, maybe I don't have a good understanding of what happened there. Yeah. Um, and then sort of read up on things and was like, no, no, no. I did have a good understanding. I just didn't yeah. watch the the special. But I like, think what, it's like what people have observed, but it was the first time that this person is able to confirm it and say it in her own way. Okay. And I think that that's why it was like, oh my God. And also Oprah's like reacting like Oprah. Like, and there's like, I heard that she was like, I heard that there was a question around. Were you silent or were you silenced? Ooh. That's one thing that she does. I love that. <laughs> I just want to start saying that to people. Were you silent? silent? Or were you silenced? No, I heard that there was a question around, like, somebody in the royal family being very obsessed with, like, how dark or fair-skinned the baby was going to be. And Oprah was like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to see Oprah say that. (laughs) Yeah. Because I probably say that myself 20 times a day. I would say that there's, like, I don't understand the royal thing very much. Like, I don't don't even, I understand the celebrity of it, sort of. But even then, especially Americans, I'm like, why? That has nothing to do with I don't get the crown obsession either. I'm just like. Thank you. I don't get Thank it. Thank you. I, I have felt it. so, like, I don't I, care. I feel like y'all are trying to make me care about something that yeah. I do not care about. The most recent <laughs> season I sort of get because it's, like, Margaret Thatcher and Diana. So I feel like there's it's, like, almost on that threshold. And whenever they cover this, I'll watch it. But, like, yeah. I don't know. It She does, like, two hours, hour and a half or something. And it fluctuates between, like, lighthearted, you know, how did you experience this? And then also, like, this story of her own suicidality and like these heavy things. Um, And I'm happy that she's going to be able to kind of like be here and speak out against the Royal family. I also think it's like important to note that like she's naming all of this and they're talking about the color of her child when she's like basically white. I know. And then, and she has like a black mother, you know what I mean? So like, that's like, I mean, and Meghan Markin's black. I'm not saying she's not black, but also in the interview, they only say, multiracial or biracial they never call her black the whole time um and it's just like what do you think that with prince harry was gonna produce like translucent is the only option (laughs) well i mean you know black genetics they be we be out here you never know that baby could have came out my color and i wouldn't be surprised at all i mean i get it i get it that he'll probably be a little i don't know i'm just saying like like, i also get it (laughs) if my cousin brandy's listening i love you girl (laughs) brandy my cousin is fair skinned okay 
and her husband is white and their kids are all translucent and i okay. love them i love them babies and i love my little cousins but y'all is, y'all are light bright <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, i'm yeah. just like they will probably come out like that yeah but you never know you never know but i mean but also why do we fucking care that's i mean that's obviously <laughs> the point like i was trying to make a bad joke about like their their like mental capacity yeah. to like look is let's stop flawed. perpetuating colorism because <laughs> exactly. like it exactly. doesn't fucking matter <laughs> um and i you know i feel like that is an interesting enough story or whatever but Afterwards, there's like this Piers Morgan thing where he's like been attacking her for years. And then like they invite someone on in the morning show that he hosts to talk. And this woman's like, you know, I think it's awesome that Meghan Markle said this. I think that, um, you know, speaking truth to power over an, against an institution that has been like racist forever is like we're not surprised by it. But we're finally able to have someone who feared for their life and had to literally flee to come like talk it out, you know, mm-hmm. and finally speak and Piers Morgan is like fuming he's saying like but the queen essentially is what he keeps saying Mm -hmm. and then the next day or the day afterward his co-workers are like Piers you had one weird date with her and have like literally not shut up about her since you're the one that's obsessed and weird like and also completely being bonkers on this show just screaming into the television about the importance of of the queen and he gets up and walks off and then quits the next day Piers? Piers Morgan quits over his Meghan Markle bad date. Like, that is essentially, like, the long con story of this. Like, because in in an interview from, like, six years ago, he talks about how they went on this date, which I think he was still married at this point, which is weird, but um, they went on this date, and then that night she left, and she said she was going to go home, and instead she went to the party where she met Harry, Uh and he is obsessed with it. Like, he finds her to be a liar and a disgusting person, and it's also this horrific reminder of what happens when straight men don't get their fucking way such a just like fragile white male psyche like how dare you like turn me down and then go date somebody else and then get married to them and have kids with them it's so annoying um before we go and get into this work which i'm deeply excited about i just wanted to do you want to read this blog post from lady tournament lady tournament yeah i think it's Honestly, yeah, it's great. Here. Um, So on their blog, they wrote, the topic of the day is royal implications of white supremacy. I'm bored. Millionaires talking to a billionaire about the most luxurious attempt to combat colonial impropriety. Like they ain't kill his mama. As if the Duchess is more than just a light-skinned black girl from America with three Ks. Uh, I'm bored of the discourse romanticizing rich folks who are most apathetic to peasant well-being. There has never been a quote-unquote commonwealth. Revolutions won't be interviewed by Oprah. Now one-drop diatribes dilute the, di- the digital dialogue. Race constricts as it constructs our systems. Ain't no science to measure the ancestral metaphysics of blood and the alchemy that haunt our bodies. Still, none of this exploitative mental labor protects the dark-slash-rich-skinned <clears throat> black folks. Anti-blackness stratifies and, determ- and determines who makes the cut by killing off unquestionable blackness quickest. It's scary how folks have such capacity for violent mathematics in the name of solidarity. This is not getting us free. Whoa. Whoa. Um, Whoa. The whole blog is great. I've linked it in the show notes, but uh, you can also Venmo tournament underscore funds with a Z if that spoke to you as well. Mm. Um, All right. We've had a mouthful today. Let's take a break. We have. I have a question, though. Okay. Are your ears warm? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that just about my... Your headphones. headphones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, someone's talking about you. Your ears are tickling. Are your, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. 
Okay, friends, welcome back. We are so fucking excited. Ugh. I can Ugh. barely contain myself Ugh. right now. Because we are joined by the multi-talented performer dedicated to making the world a better place, Chicago drag royalty, featured in Lollapalooza's 21, 2020 festival with her visual album Commercial Break, founder of Black Girl Magic, and of course, Drag Race Season 10 icon. Accolades! The Vixen! What the hell? Hey. Hello! <laughs> Welcome to QBT! Hey, thank you. I am so happy to finally be here. <laughs> yeah, poor baby going through a little bit of sore throat, but happy, happy to have you back. Yeah, I mean, eventually, you know, having a loud mouth, there yeah, are withdrawals. So <laughs> caught, up, caught up with me, yeah. but we're back. Your body said, rest, bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so to get started, we kind of start this uh, our work sections the same way every week. And I just was wondering, what identities do you hold that shape how you come into this world? Ooh, I mean, I guess it's a lot of what you introduced me with is, uh, you know, activist is something that I'd never like asked for, but I kind of just like really fit into that, like just growing up. And then, you know, it came from, you know, it goes from like a calling. And I like when people say that they're activated as an activist. Mm. I think that's um, really true. It's like, it just has to, you have to care about something a lot to the point where you do something. Yeah. And that's what I feel like has happened to me in a lot of ways. Um, I told one of my friends, I'm like, listen, I'm not steering the ship. I have an emotional outburst and then the rest of my life is just dealing with the consequences of that. Uh, <laughs> like, like I let sad. my heart speak and then I, I just let my heart speak and then I like clean up the mess. <laughs> um, so that's typically where I'm coming from. And then uh, honestly, I heard RuPaul say something on this last episode that really, really resonated and I was kind of shocked. Um, <laughs> but uh, she was telling Utica and Simone, you know, that as long as you go into things with the best intentions, mm. then, you know, like even if, you know, people get hurt, then at least you know that you weren't trying to and you can lead with love in that way. And that's really what I try to do. I'm fearless a lot of times in what I say because I know I'm not intending anyone any harm and so i allow myself to speak freely because i know i have good intentions and yeah that's just how i live um on your website it says like you live by your grandmother's belief that helping others makes the makes life worthwhile does that help frame that calling for you is that like led by example for you yeah i mean my grandmother was a church secretary but she was um kind of a guardian angel in everybody's life that she touched and uh for me, it's um, it's kind of like life is hard. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what our purpose is. We don't have clear instructions. So let's just make it easier on each other. Hmm. I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. And that res- it resonated with me earlier when you said, um, you know, doing things with the best intention and sort of the way I took it as do what you need to do now, ask for forgiveness later. Don't ask for permission to like do things. Hmm. And I feel like the largest well, yeah. impact in life comes from that. Yeah, definitely. I'm, because even if you, you know, you set out to do what you think is right, and if someone's feelings get hurt or, you know, you mess up in some way, you at least know that you weren't trying to hurt anyone. So mm-hmm. you can always say, oh, I'm sorry, I understand now, I didn't mean to. And then you can move on from there. But if you, like, are setting out to, like, do something shady, then, you know, you're going to have to answer for it yeah. even more. Yeah. yeah. I like that phrasing of even more because it's like, 
to some extent, we don't have control over what happens once the things have left our mouth, right? But the right. but the forgiveness and the understanding of intention is about how we go to bed at night, right? Like exactly. it's like it's yeah. like I can't control that person may forever see me this way, and that's on them. I know who yeah. I am and what my alignment is, and I right. didn't mean that, girl. And I know <laughs> that I, I wasn't trying to hurt them, even if I did, and I know that I learned from the experience, and so like I can go to bed at night exactly. Yeah. I feel like for our listeners, I mean, that may not be familiar with you. Um, I feel like everybody should be if they're not. But if they're stop listening, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> if they're if they're not familiar, I mean, can you talk to us a little bit about? I don't want to get too much into RuPaul's Drag Race. I feel like go watch that season, season ten. If that's <laughs> if that's what you want to do to know who the vixen is, go do it. But Oof, from yeah, there, I know, right? That's not, but that's not that's not all of who you are, right? So like, yeah. what what has your journey been beyond that season? Like, what is what have you found to be your calling, your purpose? What sort of things have you done, you know, after coming off of that season? Um. I guess what I'm most proudest of, of course, would be my show, Black Girl Magic, and just kind of the community that I've built around myself and the energy. Um, even before I was on Drag Race, you know, I hosted shows and I hosted nights at clubs and things like that. And living in Chicago and like our gay scene being a little segregated and not very like Black friendly at the time, for me, it was just important that Black people felt welcome at any event that I was hosting or, you know, that they saw me as a safe space. And um, I feel that that's very true that people know that, okay, okay, well, if the Vixen is involved, it must be all right. And so just um, kind of creating like a bubble where um, Black people can, and people of color can just feel safe and appreciated and celebrated and um, feel, you know, feel free enough to express themselves openly. We saw, we were watching um, this past weekend Denali's video. I don't remember the name of it. Oh, exactly. yeah. The, but you were in it. And the I Chicago was Drag like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Um, yeah. And it was amazing. What has it been like? I mean, have you found sort of fellow activists or, you know, fellow drag queens that are sort of in line with your purposes in Chicago? And what does that sort of look like? Yeah, it's really fun and um, it's surprising. So, uh, Last June, June 2020, Chicago had a drag march in support of Black Lives Matter, and it was led by Black drag queens, and it was um, the keynote speakers were all the original members of Black Girl Magic from our first show. And so it was kind of humbling and shocking to see like these seeds that I planted four or five years ago um, kind of come to a bud in such a big way. And like, to see the community almost take it out of my hands and, you know, mm. like take the mantle and do their own things and push it even further than I dreamed. Uh, so now I'm in this space where I can like sit back and, you know, offer advice if I need to and um, chime in. But it's really, I'm really proud of Chicago for um, kind of taking the things that I've, back when I said it was radical and now it's becoming law and that's really cool. Mm. Wow. Um, I remember, that march because i feel like we i we might have played i feel like it might have been shay's speech on the podcast yeah she was but either way what i was leading to was that like i hear that you're naming like you know kick some doors down and make some space bring the babies in and now there's like not as much kicking that has to happen because they're celebrating happening right but yeah. within that too that's also reaching outside of chicago in this big way that i feel 
that has to feel beautiful. That has to feel good. Like, I don't know. It really does. It's, it's, um, it's hard to, or I guess I don't allow myself to live in the space where I'm aware of the impact that I've had. I try not to think about it too much because that's very easy to inflate your ego. But, sure. um, you know, the drag march inspired drag marches around the country. Black Girl Magic has inspired Black Girl Magic shows around the country and around the world. There's even one in Paris. I've uh, worked with queens digitally from all over the globe, Africa and everything. And to know that, like, you know, just the spark from me being pissed off one day and deciding to do something about it has, like, allowed for this conversation to be had around the globe. Uh, all of the drama that happened on Drag Race, I truly believe, has made a difference in the way that the show approaches Black queens and the way that the audience views black queens so there's a lot to be proud of um and yeah it's like i try not to toot my own horn but i know what i do toot, toot, bitch, <laughs> toot, toot. and it sucks to oh go 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 no i was i think it sucks because there obviously is like i think you've tweeted this before like some new kid watches that season every year and uh-huh. loses their mind at you as if it happened yesterday which like one yeah. shouldn't have lost your mind to begin with but also it's old <laughs> like both things are true yeah. but i feel like there there is something where you were the first one to break the fourth wall of like does anyone else see this shit like does anyone yeah. else see this shit and i think um yeah. there were a lot of people at home who were like yes <laughs> like we do see that shit and especially that yeah. one and i think like um i don't know i just I felt so like riled up and I felt like, you know, there was a a tonal shift that sort of like had to happen in response, but like behind the scenes, how, what have you received from other people who have been on the show, especially post that season of yours? Um, It's, it's really cool. And uh, it's very sweet sometimes because the world is still the way that it is. And so a lot of times I think Queens are not, comfortable speaking up publicly, but there's been so many queens that I won't name, but, um, you know, once they get me alone in a room or a green room or a dressing room or something like that, they have so much to say and so much uh, gratefulness for, you know, the things that I've done. I've met a lot of the queens from newer seasons after me and um, it's a lot of respect. So I'm happy about that. And I'm kind of glad to be like the sister or the auntie who, you know, you can come and keep it real with, even if you can on Twitter. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. Okay. So you talked about being an auntie and then I think about, I'll back up a little bit more. Let's talk about the energy and the passion and the fire that you had, not just on that season, but carrying it on beyond. Like how... What has it been like harnessing that? Because I feel like on the show, right? Like you were being judged because of how you were reacting to things, right? But not just with the show. Beyond that, like how have you either taken how you react to things or just what that energy is like behind that reaction? Because like, don't get me wrong. I mean, you're black, I'm black. There are all kinds of things that get me fucking riled up like every single day. And I have to sort of pick and choose my battles uh, based off of sort of what I stand for, what my values are. And I think I'm interested in learning like what, how do you harness your energy? How do you harness that fire and then put it behind something like activism and behind social justice? It's it's tough. Um, I definitely went through a phase after the show where it wasn't that I felt like the fire like burned out, but I felt like it was kind of stumped out of mm. me, you know, for a while. I um I had to like unlearn the villain edit for myself. I had to um, 
not think of myself in uh, the way that I was presented. And uh, so it took a while, but, you know, um, good friends and just realizing that no one's actually upset with me for any reason, <laughs> you know? Um, I kind of like was agoraphobic for a minute. Like I would, like I was afraid to be in a space and that somebody who didn't like me would like run up to me. Right? And it's happened before, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got kind of past that and, um, you know, kind of reclaimed the fire, uh, it just reminded me that like what I do is in service of other people and it does help the community and it does help people who look like me and feel like me and um i think when i was on the show uh i was so determined to be authentic that i was like you know come what may and it was like this might cost me bookings this might not get me like the most popular vote but i just felt so passionately about um what needed to be said on the show I think even like before walking through the doors, like after watching season nine and kind of seeing like um, some of the hurdles that Shay went through, uh, just dealing with the fandom and the racism, I had like a front row seat to that because we're close. And so um, I kind of was hyper aware of what I was walking into and um, I was ready to uh, fuck shit up. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know, didn't know how it would come about, but I knew that it was going to be visceral and um, I just kind of leaned in. And so then afterwards seeing you know, because, you know, the world and, you know, producers did at one point make me feel like I was crazy and that I was, you know, coming way out of pocket. But once everything finally aired and I got to see the fans' reactions and Black fans' reactions and Queens and Drag Race alumni who resonated with it, it was very validating. And um, from there, I just had to, like, lean in. Okay, so what actually matters? I want Black Queens to be treated and respected equally. Okay, well, let me take this show on the road and start, you know, spreading this gospel of, you know, like black girls don't get to be basic. And so mm. that um, is a conversation that I've been able to have with the country and the world in so many different ways. And so for me, the activism is, okay, how can I make this idea bigger than me, bigger than Chicago? Um, how can I get, it's almost like um, a virus. Like how can I get it to spread without <laughs> having yeah. to come from the store? <laughs> it's like, so being able to plant that idea in other people's heads and encourage them to start their own chapters of Black Girl Magic or just have those conversations in their own drag communities uh, is what makes the difference. And there was, I feel, like a uh, a relatively public conversation within your drag community where the Chicago Black Drag Council was taking to task some gatekeepers and some folks who had been able to run amok <laughs> for a while yeah. but like yeah um someone not from that city i found it really amazing that like uh one that that even happened which is sad like you know there's a sadness that that is sort of newsworthy in a conversation in some ways right but i want to hear mm-hmm. from you not if you want to talk about what happened specifically please do but also i really want to hear about what was that process of getting toward accountability? Like, that's how I always observed it was like, it was a process of let's bring this community back together because there's some shit that has not been resolved, right? Like, that's like yeah. how I observed it. I'm not sure if that's how it was observed by you all, but I just want to hear your experiences about that. What which, Was that this summer that that happened? Yeah, that was this summer. So at the Drag March, uh, at the end of the march, we um, had speakers, and some of those speakers, 
you know, in the heat of everything, brought a lot of uh, well-kept secrets to the table in front of 3,000 people live, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, and it's so funny because, uh, you know, in my experiences and even watching that happen, it's weird how, um, like, radical change feels almost wrong. And so, like, yeah. when uh, the speakers were, you know, starting to spill tea, you know, even <laughs> I was like, oh, no, don't, don't go there. But it's like, we need, to ha- we need to go there. We need to have those conversations. And because of those conversations, uh, you know, the, um, the speakers, Jojo Mama, who organized the drag march, and uh, uh, <laughs> um, Zola, I'm trying to remember everybody, but Zola, you know, really spoke about some of the gatekeepers in Chicago, especially the white gatekeepers, hosts and producers of shows who have made Black people feel unwelcome. Yeah. And the conversation snowballed. I had a group chat going for all of the Black queens in Chicago. And so it snowballed within the group chat. It's like, okay, we need to have a meeting. We need to organize. And, you know, I'm thankful for the boom of Black Lives Matter that happened over the summer because it really brought everybody on to, like, my level of conversation and everybody was ready to... Um, do my phone was blowing up you can't imagine um but but it was nice to see everybody ready to meet my energy and some people you know even more radical than I and, um which gave me a chance to rest for a second too so um yeah it was really great to see our bars you know I mean we had them by the balls but it was a good thing to see them you know show up to the table and listen and take accountability and um listen to the ways that we've been hurt in the past and do something about it uh the main character who was villainized in the whole um, gatekeeping situation, T-Rex, was removed from all of their shows and all of those things. And that was a huge surprise to all of us, but it wasn't necessary in ways. I think for queens like me and Shay, who started with T-Rex, but you know, once you're on Drag Race and everything like that, we kind of started getting special treatment. But there is a lot of hurt that, you know, is buried deep and it's kind of a Stockholm syndrome mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah, I know. It's like kind of like having like a racist uncle. You're like, oh, I know, but like he's still family. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> These things still need to be corrected. And so it took me a while to um, fully realize that like these things that I found traumatic when I was starting drag are still happening to other people in my same community. And just because I'm in this like drag race bubble and protected from it, uh, right. we still need to take action and do something about it. So I was very proud of everybody for um, standing up for themselves. Wow. How do you, I mean, all of that considered on top of, you know, you performing pretty often. I mean, it's, it's different times now, <laughs> but still performing yeah, yeah. Um, and working within this system, whether it's in America, whether it's within drag, whether it's within just being like um, black and queer. I guess my question is going to be a loaded question how is your mental health? Like, how are you mm. like keeping things together? Because for me, I constantly feel overwhelmed, like having to juggle those, juggle those things, like sort of pick and choose. Am I being defensive? Am I not being defensive? Am I speaking up for something that like means more to me? That means something greater than what I am. Is this a personal thing? Like having to navigate all of that can be really taxing and overwhelming. So, and I don't know that people ask this question often, so I don't know. I'm just checking in. Like, how are you doing mentally? And, you know, like, what? how do you juggle all of that? It's um, Currently, I would say I'm doing really good. I've become kind of my biggest cheerleader. I mean, you have to be, right? Uh, and so, like I said, I've been kind of on hiatus and uh, taking a 
break from Black Girl Magic uh, for the spring, and I'm hoping that by summer we can do it live in the clubs again. But uh, when quarantine started, um, my pride and joy was being able to put checks in Black Queen's hands every month when we were doing the show live. And so I wanted to do that immediately. And so I started doing the digital shows and I did 14 digital Black Girl Magics, five in one month. And I produced 27 music videos and Lollapalooza and all this thing. 27 girl, 27 music videos? She has been (laughs) working in quarantine, I'm telling you. And and that is completely edited by me and everything. Like, um, so I I never went into the self-help mode of uh, quarantine that some people got. I didn't learn to make bread or anything. (laughs) So so now this is my time. I've been uh, stretching and exercising every day. And um, I turned 30 in December. So I've been on a new skincare routine, just like playing into those kind of things. I mean, I've been very lucky. I hit puberty really early. So by the time I was a senior in high school, I didn't really have acne anymore. Um, so I've you. always been lucky. Say, I hate you. I'm so mad at you. This call is over. <laughs> Interview done. <laughs> Not relatable, right? But um, yeah, so I'm just, you know, now I'm like, okay, we're 30. Let's moisturize different. Let's. So I'm looking into just like ways to take care of myself before we're back open in the world. And um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. That makes me really happy to hear. I don't know, like it's it's been tough. I mean, COVID's been really rough for everybody, but I definitely think the drag community um, and honestly, just the queer community at large has suffered a lot because we don't have these spaces to go to anymore. We don't have what our version of church is on like a Saturday or Friday night, right? So it makes me happy that you're- Oh, Chicago. Oh, go ahead. Chicago has a Sunday night party called Queen at Smart Bar, and it is church, and I miss it so oh, much. <laughs> it's a real thing. Like that's where we connect with our folks. That's where you yeah. know that's that's where we catch the Holy Ghost in so many ways. So I don't know. Like it's so many ways. It makes me happy that you're still making that happen in a digital way versus sort of either giving up or just saying like I don't have time for this. Like we'll wait until this whole thing blows over. Yeah, I I didn't want to do that, but um. Once the new year flipped, I was like, okay, you really haven't taken time for yourself. And so I'm doing that, but I'm getting the itch to start creating again. So I'm sure I'll be back soon. Than <laughs> that creativity stuff, it comes in waves. I mean, it's, and it's hard to chase yeah. it when it isn't, you know, like I don't envy the drag race girls when there's like, okay, season's over. We got to go. I'm sure that there's an energy that feels good, but like, what happens if you're depressed? <laughs> like, what, like, are you supposed to still do that same energy? Like, I don't know. But, um, one thing I was wondering is like how you think your drag or your art or your music have changed in this year and, and what implications does that have for future Vixen work? Um, I think one thing that I was able to do in quarantine that I haven't been able to do is kind of explore my cishet, or not cishet, good lord, but just explore my <laughs> male identity. <laughs> we all got stressed out over here when you started. Yeah. No! She's ex-gay now. <laughs> but yeah, I've been able to um, kind of just live as a boy more often than I ever have. And, you know, um, I decided at the beginning of quarantine that I wasn't going to shake my body hair for the year. And so that's been eye-opening. I have 
OnlyFans. And so I have uh, Twitter where I get to express myself as male, like all the time. And so I've lived more in my Tony, that's my real name, in my Tony body than I have in probably seven years. Mm. Um, so I think that has kind of given me a different perspective because even in my house, when I decorated my house three years ago, it was all from the perspective of Vixen. And now that Tony lives here too, he's like, okay, can we calm it down a little mm, bit? And wow. So, so I think with my music and just what I bring to the world and what I've been presenting um, is I'm more concerned with people seeing my own humanity. Um, I always, you know, Vixen has always tried to be like a superhero goddess kind of thing, but I think I'm uh, enjoying, you know, just sharing my own vulnerability and my humanity more. So mm. that'll definitely affect music and um hopefully art yeah i love you said vulnerability and i was like yes that's what we want everybody <laughs> to do is be more vulnerable and be more honest and be you know i think that you bring up an interesting point like you you have these two i i don't even want to call them identities personas like within you right mm -hmm. um yeah. which then makes me think a little bit about wb du bois and like double consciousness and what that means to be black and then have to show up in a world that is not meant for us, uh, per yeah. se. So, yeah. I mean, obviously also take all that and then combine it with the fact that queer does not mean like you look this way, this way, or that way. How are mm -hmm. you marrying those identities? Are you keeping them like different? Like what, I don't know, like how does that show up for you? Like Tony and Vixen, or are they like, do they show up at the same time? Is it a thing? Like, I don't know, I guess expound on that a little bit more for me. Yeah, it's kind of um, Vixen, I guess now with the accomplishments that I've made, Vixen feels like a lot of responsibility. Like it's kind of mm. like there's an air of, um, you know, especially amongst other queens, other black queens, you know, there's a kind of um, folklore about me. <laughs> and um, I appreciate that. But I also, I just, especially having like a boy Twitter, I've really enjoyed you know, letting the world in on like, I'm nasty or I'm fun or, you know, like, um, so that's what I think is going to be the next wave of like bringing to Vixen. It's kind of like letting the wall down. Like, yes, I love to be super artsy and super uh, creative and, you know, I'm very staunch in my beliefs, but I also like, I have a good time and like, I'm I really funny, fuck. which I love to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm like hilarious. Like it's, the best kept secret is how funny I am, I think. And so I'm, I'm good at, uh, I'm trying to be more open and share like my real self without um, the illusion of this uh, infallible yeah. diva. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really appreciate that. I think, you know, um, I feel like some folks can come to drag feeling very masculine and then they get into this and they're like, whoa, I'm realizing all these feminine aspects of myself. And then I think other folks can come into drag where like, the feminine embodiment is an exaggeration, but like feels more like that's the trajectory. That's what it's always been. And then it's yeah. like, oh, there may be some revealing or an unveiling of this more masculine side of me that isn't like these other queens. Um, I feel like my experience was very much like understanding like, oh, this blending can happen like every day. It doesn't have to happen post 9 p.m. at that building. You know, like that blending can right, happen yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and like, I think that, um, wait, Vixen, did you know that? Um, no. 
No, I didn't. This no. is a drag queen right here. No, I was sitting to uh, my left. Was all done. We're done. Was yeah. I think <laughs> oh, there's gonna okay. be retirement. I feel like she's gonna come out of retirement soon. But anyways, mm-hmm. just want to you know give context there because you acting like I'm Maddie, hot in my face. I picked like... up on that. I picked up on that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hot in the face. Okay, what I what I'm trying to say though is that like um. <sighs> There's a really beautiful thing that happens when there's like an alignment with purpose. And I feel mm-hmm. like I've heard both from your music, also this conversation today around, and the question that you asked earlier, this really made me think of this around like how to harness that anger. And I feel like I've heard you talk about how the anger or the initial reaction or that was very much coming from this place of fear. It was coming from this place of like protection. It was coming mm-hmm. from this place of protecting little Tony. Right. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. now that some, in some ways, the worst thing, maybe not the worst thing, one of the worst things that can happen where like the world comes for you happened. You get to emerge mm-hmm. this full fucking person. Yeah. <laughs> like you get to emerge yeah. this person that is in alignment. And maybe I don't have a question. I'm just screaming at you, but I just, I think that's really, <laughs> I think that's really beautiful. I think there's a beautiful aspect to like shedding the defense mechanism that is keeping us alive, but it's also keeping us from being the best version of ourselves. And like, not yeah. that you're shedding anger. I don't mean to say that you need to shed anger. But... <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. But I definitely, I agree. Um, I, you know, and going through everything, airing on television and things like that, there was a lot of conversation about um, who you had to, you don't have to be who you had to be to survive. You know, like, um, you know, I, you know, I grew up in like the hood and like, my fam, my mom has always like moved us into better and better neighborhoods and things like that. But you know, I started from the bottom, and so uh, I think that toughness and that you know, even being in the drag scene when it wasn't very accepting to black folks and being the only voice, you know, I kind of uh, that um, savviness and that willingness to say what needs to be said became the norm for me, and it was necessary at the time. But it's like, okay, girl, well, you're on TV now. Like, we want to see you do well. Maybe you don't have to find everybody in the room. And in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. But um, I, there is definitely a period of time where I had to learn to um, kind of shed my old survival instincts because I was in a new environment. Yeah. Um, and for me, that also means that I can take the experiences I've learned and um, I especially when I was on the show, I didn't want anybody coming at me telling me, you know, you don't have to do it like Malcolm, you could do it like Martin and all that bullshit. I was not here for that. I remember telling a producer that both Malcolm and Martin got shot, so keep that okay. shit like, <laughs> okay. Work, bitch. Uh, but, you know, now that I've, you know, that bell is wrong and it can't be unwrung. I think people will forever remember the mark that I left. I think now I can just operate in a more enlightened space and saying, you know, I, is, is it catching more flies with honey or is it just me being more strategic? I know that racism exists. I know how networks work. I know how the internet works and how trolls work. And so instead of me, you know, having fallen every sword, I can make an example out of people when they come at me crazy. I've been preaching to a couple of Chicago Queens that sometimes it's okay to play the victim because the world, unfortunately, if you're not the victim, you're the villain. And so sometimes it's okay to show that you're hurt. And if you show people how their how their actions are affecting you without lashing out back at them, then they can then they have to deal with what they did to you instead of using your reaction as a scapegoat. Yes. 
And so, um, yeah, I've word. learned to play the victim. <laughs> you know what? Run that back. We're going to play that again because that yeah. people need to hear that twice. The people in the back, for the people in the back, y'all need to hear that again because yeah. they can just hit rewind. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. need to hear that again. Um, That's very beautiful. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question and then you gave that word and I said, forget my question. <laughs> I just want to listen to that all day. <laughs> Um, I was wondering if you had any advice for folks who um, maybe don't have the uh, community that Chicago, there's not a you in their community yet. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. Um, How do you feel about, or what advice I guess do you have for folks in their towns or honestly, even a city like fucking Portland (laughs) that like can still be experiencing <clears throat> that gatekeeping, that racism, and like, what does that disruption and organization like actually look like? I think that that one thing that is missing from the rhetoric that it has really been going around, and also the demonstrations, can be at times like, literally, what is the like knowledge of organizing? You know what I mean? That like sometimes mm-hmm. gets missed mm-hmm. in the I've got to fucking do something. Yeah. And I love what you said, the disruption and the organization. And that's exactly what it is. It's like, you got to break some eggs to make the omelet. And so um, for what I always say to people um, is, if one, if you don't feel represented, represent. Um, when I started, there was nobody like me saying what I was saying. And because I said it, there was somebody in the room who heard it. And, you know, they first they whispered, thank you. I always tell people, you know, when you when it's like those TV shows, uh, what would you do when they like have those scenarios and they see how the audience or the strangers react? There's always a moment where everybody in the room sees something fucked up and that one person calls it out and everybody else in the room is like, hey, like but everybody's saying it under their breath. One, like, you know, it's important to be brave enough to be the person who says something because even if they don't say it to you, there are people in the room that are grateful that you spoke up. And if you are in the room and somebody speaks up before you, don't be afraid to back them up or at least let them know that what you did um, was helpful to them because that keeps me going so much. Like the messages I get from fans or other queens that tell me that they appreciate what I do, that's the fuel that pushes me when I'm being gaslighted or when I'm you know, being silenced in any way. I know that there are people who need and appreciate what I do and that is why I keep doing it. If I was out on a limb and I was on that limb for myself forever, I would eventually shut up. Because mm-hmm. like, okay. But I know that it matters to people that I um, keep my foot on the gas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I would tell you is, you know, once you start speaking up and voicing your opinions and your passions, there are people like you who will become brave enough to do it themselves because they know that they won't be alone. And so mm-hmm. it, it sucks. It's scary. And it can be thankless a lot of the times to step out on a limb, but um, the payoff is, you know, building your community and finding people who resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be scared. It, it's not always easy, but it is worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really giddy right now because you're such a cavalier <laughs> and a maverick when it comes to social justice and activism. And not even just in Chicago. Like, I, we're out here in Portland, Oregon, and I feel like I hear your name. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. Yeah. I just this is more <laughs> of just you. like a, I'm clapping for you because you are doing the work that needs to be done, um, oh, you. and you're inspiring people like me and so many other people out there. And I just want to, 
I want to encourage you, like, keep it up because, like, I feel inspired right now, like, on this call. Yeah. I'm like, I want to go fuck some shit up tonight. What do you want? You want to go burn <laughs> a cop car right now, Maddie? Yeah. I mean, I saw <laughs> Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, so you're ready to go, yeah. yeah. That's the only reason, yeah. by the way. Like, yeah, <laughs> nothing else has been inspiring, but that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, my gosh. I sorry, my dog is like making noises and like was really trying to get a bone right now. She like fully just got. She up. did a whole thing. Oh my god, so <laughs> so silly and distracting and unprofessional. But um, <clears throat> where can uh, people find your work? Um, where can they listen to your album? Mm-hmm. So my album Commercial Break is on Spotify, Title, iTunes, all the good ones, um, and you can find it there. You can also see the music videos for the album on my Instagram, my IGTV, or you can watch them on YouTube. You can check me out on my website, thevixensworld.com, and there's plenty of merch and fans and prints, autograph prints available, um, and always on Twitter and Instagram at The Vixens World. Awesome. Beautiful. Do you want to take I, a quick break? Oh, no, no. I have I have one last question. Do it. Do <clears> it. <throat> okay, listen. I'm coming to Chicago in August for a Lady mm-hmm. Gaga concert. Oh, we're gonna hang out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. I don't have a question anymore. No, Bye. <laughs> Wait, what? What? Go, go on. <laughs> he was just gonna say after the Gaga concert, we should all hang out. But I don't know. <laughs> now I feel like we wouldn't be friends. <laughs> No, <laughs> not what I meant. Yes, we can absolutely hit that. Okay, done, done. I will. We will hit you up when we're in Chicago. I'm excited about. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's my favorite thing that ever happened. Okay, let's take a quick break. <laughs> we'll be back. We're almost ready to come back again. We're back. I feel like that's how I intro We both every took a time. deep breath in the It's all the deep breath when we come back from a break. I don't know if the listeners have caught on to that, but it takes a lot of work to like come back from a break it's just so exhausting we're doing a lot during those breaks you guys <laughs> i ran um, a marathon <laughs> it's time to take some meds let's talk about what's making us happy this week um maddie you go first okay um i mean something stupid out of the way but it honestly made me really happy as casey musgraves retweeted my dream blunt rotation which was very stupid but i was like oh my god so cute you got a celeb um, retweet yeah i mean you know, whatever. I doubt she'll ever say yes, but you know, she at least liked it. I forgot you're like famous, Maddie. That's that's, that's dumb. That's dumb. That's dumb. That's dumb. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is, uh, my friend Darren made me this Barbie doll of me. It's uh, terrifying. It, it is terrifying, and I was like, <laughs> I think you are supposed to give gifts that are bullying. But you know, I was also really appreciative of the time and effort to, uh, to an attention to detail. They, like, drew on, like, all my shitty tattoos and, like, really tried to, like, make um, make this cat look like my dog Jolene, like, with, like, repainting. And it was very cute, very hideous, and I'm terrified of it, but also I feel very loved by it. We're so. going to take a picture and put it on our stories. Oh, God. That, that okay, okay, happen. okay. People have got to see this doll. It's a mess. Yeah. So <laughs> check out the Instagram to go see that hideous doll. <laughs> but that's like, that's no that's no shade to Darren if you're listening. No, no. It, you did a great job. The I'm doll was just terrifying. Yeah. I think that that is what your intention was. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm filled with a lot of love and I felt very seen and it was uh, also given to me on a night where we Oh, it was like the first time in over a year where we'd had one-on-one time. Like this is like one of my best friends and just like we 
mm-hmm. finally both got vaccinated and was able to like be in a room together and it was a beautiful night cemented with this hideous doll. <laughs> <laughs> um cool. who's next who's vixen you're next oh yes what, you're gonna go next what what meds are you taking what's making you happy what's bringing you joy this week um yeah self-care and it's funny because I've been preaching self-care for a while, but I feel like the turn of the year is when I actually, like, you know, a, a bath bomb is cute, but, like, there's better things you can do for self-care. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've, been, um, I've been cooking a lot at home and, you know, making my own food, which is something I never do, uh, and, you know, exercising and just, like, kind of, like, trying to be not just adult, but more centered around my own well-being in, like, physical ways instead of just, like, smoking a joint everyone can but, um, so yeah just doing things that are actually going to improve me as a person mm-hmm. has like really made me gave me a lot of endorphins lately mm, I love that and that's what self-care actually is I do think a lot of people get right. self-care confused with like I'm gonna do a face mask and right. like a bath yeah. bomb and yeah. it's like yeah you can do that and that's important in terms of like skincare is important but um yeah no it's really about digging into like the work yeah. and like making sure yeah. that you know you're improving and growing as like a human being um i've always looked yeah. at self-care as like a being a parent for yourself like you might not mm-hmm. want to do the thing but you need to do it so that you can like be well if that makes sense yeah my inner monologue when I'm cooking is always my mom's voice. Like, okay, what are you doing? Oh my God. <laughs> it's like my mom is like guiding me in my own head. Like, cause I would not nurture myself if I had to. <laughs> okay. I'd be, it'd be Popeyes every day. I'll be honest. It would be every Popeyes. Every day. <laughs> yeah. There's one by your house. I know. <laughs> Don't remind me. Okay, my I've bad, been my trying bad. to forget that it's there. I'm having Popeyes tonight. I'll cut up a pepper. No, and some... I'm getting some Popeyes. Okay. Tonight. All right. Good. Um, <laughs> what meds are you taking besides Popeyes? I got tatted on Friday, and it's my ninth and tenth tattoo. So I was excited Ooh, about. Come that. on, counting. I know. I got tatted and I got vaxxed, and um, both of my arms were really tired yesterday because of it. I was like at my keyboard typing, and I was just like, my arms just don't work. <laughs> like my left arm is sore, and my right arm just pricked, broken, potted. Yeah, those words. <laughs> um, triple P. So I don't know, but it still makes me happy. Um, I've dedicated. I think I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but my right arm is just my tattoo arm at this point. Like. I know I'm going to want more tattoos as I get older and older and older. And instead of getting them everywhere, I'm just like, fuck it. You can just take my right arm. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about the cyborg. (laughs) Right. Um, I got a skull with like a wide brim hat on top of it. It's like this really cute continuous line drawing um, based around my Dia de Muertos Mexico City trip two years ago, which was really memorable for me. And then I got a... um, the crown that Basquiat like made. It's on top of a book that oh, I read cool. as a kid. Yeah, you know what it is. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're on my forum. I'm really excited. I'll show you guys after we record. Um, let's jump into some homework now because don't think we forgot about the homework. Yeah, I have to have something to do. Y'all hate me giving you homework, but guess what? You still get <laughs> Um This is what we're doing this week. I feel like we've had a good conversation around harnessing energy, sort of the impact you can make in not just your life, but other people's lives when you do decide to be a little bit more vulnerable and do decide to tap into what your values are uh, and to what your purpose is. So we're going to do a journal assignment. What I want everybody to do, pull out those journals. 
um, I want you to write down something that gets you riled up. Like, first <laughs> thing that comes to mind, right? It can literally be like, that bitch down the street looked at me funny. And it's like, cool, let's explore that a little bit. It's not just her that's bothering you. It's clearly something that she stands for or something that, like, she identifies with that's getting you riled up. But long story short, I want you guys to write down something that you're really passionate about, something that gets you riled up, something that ignites, like, a fire within you. Um... And then I want you to just explore that. I'm not going to tell you what to do with it. I'm not going to say, like, make that into social justice because that might not be your calling. Um, But I do want you to be aware of the things that get you really amped up, that get you really hyped, that make you want to do something. Um, And that might be social justice. It might be um, taking care of other people. It might be just mediocre creativity. Who knows? But um, (laughs) it gets me. I hate mediocrity. It really upsets me. Um, but that's me. That's not y'all. That's my business. Um, Tabitha Brown. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say just write down something that really gets you riled up. Because yeah. what I do want people to start doing is understanding what their values are and yeah. what they find to be important in their life that could maybe one day turn into a purpose. Yeah. Which I think might be a future podcast episode in and of itself. But um, let's do yeah. that. Like what purpose anger has life. to teach yeah. us. Like what anger has to teach us? What anger has to teach us? Because anger is not always coming from a place of I didn't get what I want, which can be very self-absorbed and selfish. It can also come from a place of these people aren't getting what they deserve or what they need. Um, Pain is information. Pain is information. It's your body telling you that something's wrong. That's right. Okay. Look at you. you You're wanna, hired. Come you on. Know what? I was say. We got a third podcast host. <laughs> yeah. We do it for free, so I hope you like that. So yeah. That's okay. Love it. Um, uh, thank you, Shawnee. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I think exploring what ignites us is a really valuable piece of information. Um, you can follow us at QBT Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can follow Vixen at The Vixen's World Work. on Instagram and Twitter. Or if you want to see more of Tony, you can follow Tony on Tut on Twitter. Come on, Tony on Tony Tut. Tony on Tut. <laughs> uh-huh. Pulls up Twitter. And she and is on Tut. Really, really <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. um, but uh, also, I told you offline, but um, I have been thinking of you on this podcast since literally within our first brainstorming sessions, your name came Mm -hmm. up. So the fact that it it finally was able to happen just brings me a lot of joy. Jolene is getting some water as, (laughs) as this is happening. So whatever. But, um, thank you a lot for being here. There's a, Oh, I'm, so happy to be here. I don't know if you can hear it. There's a um, ambulance going by my building. Okay. The, the universe said, don't a... say nice things to each other. I don't do it. Say, it, wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't be Chicago or New York if I didn't hear at least one siren in the background at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I live near a hospital, so it's like it's constant. But thank you so much. I, I love what this podcast stands for. And I'm so happy to uh, get a chance to run my mouth as soon as I get my voice. <laughs> yeah. I hope that um, your voice stays. So, like, flush with some teas, you know, make sure you get back to bed rest, etc. Um, what a beautiful episode. Uh, this is great. Let us know how you're doing, how you're feeling. DM us. Uh, if you have any recommendations for a future episode, you can email us at qbtpodcast at gmail.com. Do your homework. Listen to the Vixens album. And we're going to go. Bye. Oh, that was so quick. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Trying to talk slick. 
All up in my ear and shit. <laughs>